scripture reading this morning is found in Proverbs 18:24. Proverbs 18:24. <clears throat> a man of many companions may come to ruin, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. Making friends the way Jesus did. <clears throat> There are several definitions that we can look at for friendship. My best friend is the one who brings out the best in me. Do you like that definition? Uh, Henry Ford, Aristotle thought, what is a friend? A single soul in two bodies. Do you like that one? That says a lot, doesn't it? Single soul in two bodies, Aristotle. Cahill, Cabron, friendship is always a sweet responsibility, never an opportunity. You gotta think about that one a little bit, don't you? Never, it's always a sweet responsibility, never an opportunity. It's something you do because it's right. You make friends. And James Fenimore Cooper, the great storyteller of American history, friendship that flows from the heart cannot be frozen by adversity, as the water that flows from a spring cannot congeal in winter. Friendship is really a wonderful thing, isn't it? Uh, David, Henry David Thoreau, the most I can do for my friend is simply to be his friend, the most. So if you want the greatest gift to give away to others, it might be friendship. I have no wealth to bestow on him, Thoreau said. If he knows that I am happy in loving him, he will want no other reward, and there's a lot of truth to that. When you give away friendship to someone, you give away a great gift that bonds heart to heart and soul to soul. Is not friendship divine in this? Thoreau asked. George Eliot, no soul is desolate as long as there is a human being for whom it can feel trust and reverence. Interesting qualities. Reverence in friendship. A reverence of the other person. That's a real quality of friendship. Friendship is something very unique and very special, and yet it is disappearing today. Since 1985, Americans are losing both the quantity and the quality of close friends. Is there too many O's in losing? Hmm. The average number of confidence per citizen has dropped from four to two. I am willing to suggest that those who study this are convinced that friendship is disappearing in our culture. 25% of Americans have no close confidant. Someone they can open their soul to and talk to about the most, well, just like Harold did this morning. You have to be friends to share things like that. An increasing number of men report no friend at all. God established in the Bible that spirituality should be led by men. It cannot happen unless men know how to be friends. So the world, or Satan, has sabotaged the role of men away by depriving them of qualities of friendship. Men need to learn how to do this, and they need to take the lead in it. Many men do not even find friendship with their spouse how lonely that is. Not knowing how to be close, transparent, or connected, unsure of ourselves, 
In friendship, we get to be more sure of who we are. It's probably the only place where we can do that. Feeling empty, unloved, and unimportant are the things that happen when you do not have friendship. Friendship is often the first casualty in our busy lives. There are results of recent groundbreaking study on the difference between men and women relating to friendship and stress. Women respond to stress with a cascade of brain chemicals. I want you to know what I'm talking about here. This is the way women are designed by God. Design them this way. Brain chemicals that cause them to make and maintain friendships with other women. Their hormones move them that direction, helps to seal it. Women are predisposed more to friendship. It is a sociological thing for men to become friends, something that is learned. Five decades of stress research, 90% only on men. By the way, it's only been recent years that women have gotten into any kind of research. <laughs> Seems like all research establishing patterns for many, many, many long, long periods of time has been done on men only. Has now been turned upside down. Scientists generally believe that when people experience stress, they trigger a hormonal cascade that revs the body to either stand and fight or flee as fast as possible under stress. However, in women, the hormone oxytocin is released by stress. What happens to her instead of fight or flight? That is buffered, and they are encouraged to tend her children and to gather to other women. Stress causes women to bond. Stress causes men to fight and flight. Totally different thing. When she engages in tending and befriending, more oxytocin is released, further countering stress by producing a calming effect. Men don't have that. Men have to intellectually make a decision to be a friend. They have to decide to. They have to prioritize it. This calming response does not occur in men because testosterone, which we're so proud of, prohibits it from happening. There are some real amazing benefits of friendship. I'm going to get into the spiritual side just a second here. Uh, you need to know this first. Older people with a large circle of friends are 22% less likely to die. Now that doesn't mean they're going to live forever and ever and ever. But as compared with those that do not, there's a 22% difference. A strong social ties promote brain health as we age. The research that I do, that I did, in preparing for teaching nursing students about the importance of connection, all of the research says that there's one ingredient stronger than every other ingredient. It's social ties. has the most powerful effect upon our health. More than anything else we do, Social ties, social connections. A 2006 study of nearly 3,000 nurses with breast cancer found that women without close friends were four times as likely to die from the disease as women who had 10 or more friends. All other things ruled aside. Pretty significant. 
Now, the proximity and the amount of contact with a friend wasn't associated with survival. Just having a friend, even if they were a long ways away, you didn't see them at all times. Just knowing that you are known even as, uh, the, you are known even as, how does the Bible go that? Know even as we are known. That's the way it goes. Just having friends is a protective thing. In a six-year study, 736 middle-aged Swedish men, attachment to a single person didn't, didn't appear to affect the risk of heart attack and fatal coronary heart disease, but having friendships did. Friendships do help men. Only smoking was as an important a risk factor as the lack of social support. So it's pretty high. Now, these are the verses, one of them Harold read for us here. A friend loveth at all times, and a brother is born for adversity. A friend is something really special. No wonder God is one. Three that are one. That's called friendship. It's a close friendship. It's a real close bond. And God is telling us, Jesus said, you know, let them be one even as we are one. So the oneness is an important thing there. Oneness is friendship. The Lord would speak to Moses, how? Face to face. As a man speaks with his friend. Now there is some specialness about a communication between friends. They go right past all of the superficial and they go right to the heart. A friend knows what's in the other person's heart. They have that ability to do that just like a dog, your best loved dog, knows when something's wrong. They can sense it. And a friend knows when something is not right and when they are with that friend, even if they're a long ways away, they connect. And connecting means really connecting heart to heart. Making friends is connecting heart to heart. And the Lord had a friend in whom? In Moses. Look at what a friendship with God can do. How important was this man Moses in the life of Christianity and godliness. History, how important. It came out of that friendship between him and God. Enabled Moses to make such an amazing contribution that his name is known all around the world. And by more than one religion, it was out of that friendship that this all. I will do the very thing you have asked because I am pleased with you and I know you by name. When the Bible says know you by name, it's talking about knowing who you are down at the core. Right? Now the man Moses was very meek above all men, which were upon the face of the earth. And the Lord spake suddenly unto Moses and unto Aaron and unto Miriam, Come out, ye three, unto the tabernacle of the congregation. And they came out. When God summons you, you go out. You can't hide. You can't fight. I mean, what is all the rest of that? You just go out. And if God is summoning you out, 
something's going to happen. And they came out, and the Lord came down to the, in the pillar of the cloud and stood in the door of the tabernacle and called Aaron and Miriam, and they both came forth, and he said, and this is the point, Hear now my words. If there be a prophet among you, I, the Lord, will make myself known unto him in a vision, and I will speak unto him in a dream. A prophet had a very intimate relationship with God. But is a prophet's relationship with God closer than a friend's relationship with God? No. My servant Moses is not so. He's my friend, said earlier, who is faithful in all mine house. With him I will speak how? Mouth to mouth, face to face. Very intimate. Even apparently, and not in dark speeches, in the similitude of the Lord, shall he behold. Wherefore then were you not afraid to speak against my servant? My friends you treat with respect. They are connected to me really deep. Now that's what God is looking for in all of us. Friendship. Making friends the way Jesus made friends. God's people, they told Moses, don't let God speak to us anymore. He scares us. Moses replied, don't be afraid. You can talk to God just like I do. We're friends. God has, ever since the creation of this planet, dreamed of one thing and one thing only. The intimate kind of friendship that he wants to have with his people. Very rarely does that happen. But when it does happen, it gives us a clue of what is available for all of us. That's what he wants in all of us. Here's another example. Abraham. Abraham believed God and it was imputed unto him for righteousness and he was called what? A friend of God. Abraham, thy friend forever. Forever friendships. Now I want you to notice this one. You've seen Moses, you've seen Abraham, both friends with God. You know it's this intimate, close relationship with God that God is seeking and he is willing to build it with anyone here in this room today. Henceforth, Jesus said, John 15, 15. This ought to be marked in your Bible. Henceforth I call you not servants, for a servant knoweth not what his Lord doeth. But I have called you what? Friends. For all things that I have heard of my Father I have made known to you. Now tell me what you learn about friendship from this verse. Speak to me. What does it say? What's the difference between a servant and a friend? Say it again. Intimacy. Does a servant have to know anything about what's inside the heart of his master? No. He can't be bothered with that. He is simply there to obey the word, right? Most Seventh-day Adventists are servants. They are committed to obeying. Not very many make it to friendship who know God intimately and God knows them intimately. Most Christians are that way around the planet. This kind of a closeness, this oneness. 
And so, you know, you can be a, a Christian or a Seventh-day Adventist, you'll be a very good servant, and that's a respectable, respectable place to be. But that's not what Jesus wants. Jesus said to his servant disciples, they were content being just servants, I want you to be friends with me. And the difference is this heart-to-heart, soul-to-soul connection. And you remember, with both Abraham as well as with Moses, both of them were so close that they even had the ability to challenge God. Both of them. It's out of that friendship. It's because they know the heart of God. A servant would never do that. Being a servant, a slave, is an honorable position. As I said, we are keenly aware of our position. We are submissive, and the master is absolute authority. The more powerful the master, the greater the distance between the master and the servant. Understanding is not important, just blind obedience. Being a servant requires less internally than being a friend. We don't have to change ourselves inside. The thing about friendships is the two friends be really become one. They are merged. They are changed by each other. They are merged into one. They become pliable. And that's a tremendous task. But that's what a servant is all about. And that's what I say in most Christianity, most Seventh-day Adventists are here. Most Christians choose servanthood rather than friendship with God. Why do we keep the Sabbath? Why do we pay tithe? Why do we practice health reform? Why do we do all the things the church asks us to do? Is it because of a friendship with God or because servanthood with God? He says it, we do it, we don't question. Why is God often portrayed as a master, a lord, absolute tyrant throughout a good share of the Bible's history as well as history as well? Why? Could it be because, like the children of Israel, they didn't know how to get close to God. They didn't offer that. They didn't accept that relationship. Which would you rather be, servant or friend? Not everyone that saith unto the Lord, saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, we've done this, we've done this, we've done this, we've done this. We've been good servants, supposedly. And then I will profess unto them, I never, what? You are not my friend. Depart from me, you that work iniquity. Well, they did all these things. How could you say work iniquity? They were not friends. Is our religion formal? Detached, personal, intimate, and vital. Which is it? Now, children understand. They can see through. And are they attracted to the religion that we have? Everybody wants intimacy. Some of us have walls against it, but we want it. These things have I spoken unto you in the Proverbs. But the time cometh, Jesus said, when I shall no longer speak unto you in Proverbs, but I shall show you plainly of the Father, because we are friends. He can talk straight, right to our heart. 
and we know what's in each other's heart so we can receive it. Now the characteristics of Christian friendships are these. The result of a, of a decision to be a friend. We have to make a decision to be a friend. Uh, you have not chosen me. I have chosen you. God made a decision. You'll be my friend. And he acted accordingly. Was he successful with the twelve? All but one. Yes, he was. They became intimate friends because he chose them. In a few weeks, we're going to make a decision about whether to be friends of the community. And this is why I'm talking about this. And we have to decide also, as I said last week, to be friends with each other. We have to make those decisions. A determination to live your life in service to someone to be aware of and assist in meeting their needs, not mindlessly or heartless as a slave, but in pursuit of intimacy with and self-fulfillment for them. My wife said something to me yesterday that made me recoil from her. Does your spouse ever do that to you? And I stood over this all night last night. Boy, it's like deja vu. How many years have I been stewing over these things and having to preach the next day on this topic? It's interesting the way the Lord does this kind of stuff with me. And I have to think about myself this morning. Am I going to retaliate or is this my wife, my friend? Irregardless. The world, the world is missing this. It's disappearing. We have to make decisions to be friends. Characteristics of Christian friendship. It demands inner mutual knowledge, known even as we are known. There's a text. I am the good shepherd and know my sheep and am known of mine. Sharing the most painful depths of personal experience, my soul is exceedingly sorrowful, even unto death. Tear ye here and watch with me. To have these kind of close connections, that's what the world will see. And when they see Christians enabled to be this way, they will come. You don't need to send flyers. They will come. You don't need to have advertisement or even TV things. They will come. This is what people are looking for. They're not looking for, quotes truth. They're looking for this. This is the acid test. When they see this, their hearts will be opened to all truth. Because this is something only God can bring. Sharing insights not disclosed to others and offering emotional support and genuine concern. Challenging growth and praying together. And a lot of other things that are part of Christian friendship. Friendship builds spirituality. It's the missing ingredient in almost everybody's life. It is the reason why the church is so weak today. It is the most crucial thing that we can do. Everywhere. There is a tendency to substitute the work of organizations for individual effort. Human wisdom tends to consolidation, centralization, building up of great churches and institutions. Multitudes leave institutions and organizations to carry on the work of benevolence. They excuse themselves from contact with the world and their hearts grow cold. They become self-absorbed and unimpressible. Love for God and man dies out of the soul. That's not verbatim, but that's what the quote says in Ministry of Healing 147. And it's saying in a simple way what I've been saying. 
It's saying that what draws people to Christ is an example of intimate friendship with God. If they, they could tell if you got it or they can tell if you don't. And if you've got it, they are drawn to you. If you don't, tell them anything you want. doesn't make any difference. This is the key thing. It'll solve so many troubles in the world. Jesus saw in every soul one who must be given the call to his kingdom. He reached the hearts of people by going among them as one who desired their good. That's a friend. He sought them in the public streets, in private houses, on the boats, in the synagogue, and by the shores of the lake, and at the marriage feast. He met them at their daily vocations and manifested an interest in their secular affairs. That's what a friend does. A friend opens the heart up to the entire life. He carried his instruction into the household, bringing families in their own homes under the influence of his divine presence. His strong personal sympathy helped to win hearts. Jesus went about doing what? Being a friend. And it transformed his world. Christ's method alone, friendship model, will give true success in reaching the people. The Savior mingled with men as one who desired their good. He showed sympathy for them, ministered to their needs, and won their confidence. And then, after doing that, he didn't come at them first with a pamphlet or a teaching or a doctrine or whatever it was. He cared for them. He showed them what friendship, that it was genuine, sincere. And then he would say, come follow me. We should do as Christ did. Wherever he was, he spoke to men of the things pertaining to higher life. The things of nature, the events of daily life were bound up by him with the words of truth. The hearts of his hearers were drawn to him. For he healed their sick comforted their sorrowing ones, and had taken their children in his arms and blessed them. And when he opened his lips to speak, their attention was riveted upon him because he had been their friend. And every word was to some soul a savor of life unto life. So it is with us. Wherever we are, we should watch for opportunities speaking of others of the Savior. If we follow Christ's example in doing good, hearts will open as they did to him. Not abruptly, but with tact, born of divine love, we can tell them of him who is the chiefest of ten thousands, altogether lovely. This is the very highest work. His presence brought a pure atmosphere. Well, you can see some of these quotes on the back page of the bulletin. He taught all to look upon themselves as endowed with precious talents. Anyway, all of those things you can see maybe on the back of the of the, um, the bulletin today. We've put some of them there. Why did I preach this sermon? I think that a church that has been blessed with the truth has somehow not kept up with the personal connections. And we've got to go back to there. We've got to work on that. So, we have decisions to make. Make friends. It may take five years to see something happen, or it may happen a lot sooner as the story in the back today brought to our attention. Making friends, knowing someone, caring for them, meeting their needs, opening up your heart to them, find out what's inside. Demonstrate that you know how to be a friend, not only with them, but also the Lord Jesus, and they will be drawn to that, and the world will be changed. Friendship is the real test 
that has to be bridged if we're going to have success in anything that we do. Oh, Father, I just thank you that you're willing to do this to us, to be our friend. Help us in every occasion that we have to think about this. The call for friendship. and Teach us how to really be friends with you and with each other. Prepare us in ways that we can't and do not know how. You've called us to be friends, not just servants. So maybe there will be new Moseses and new Abrahams and others in this congregation as a result of this relationship with you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.